It's the Early Access Podcast, episode of 40 at 70. So it's DJ Nikki Kuehler is here. Also, it is November 24th, 2020. Check us out live on twitch.tv slash Del Shampoo, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. PST, where during the pre-show, sometimes I open Pokemon cards. We're going to talk about Pokemon cards a little bit later on the show, but first, Comcast just today got absolutely ratioed on Twitter, and for the sake of the people in the future listening to the show, I'll read it to you here. Someone tweeted out uh, sglen21, Glenn with two N's on Twitter. I'm glad they thought about doing this during a pandemic when all everyone is using is their internet. How is this allowed? Fios not available anywhere really at Xfinity, at, at Comcast. Hashtag Monopoly, hashtag bring more competition. And it's a link to an article on cordcutternews.com. Comcast is introducing a data cap in Northeast states. Uh, the states that are going live in are going to be Connecticut, Delaware, D.C., Massachusetts, Maryland, Maine, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Vermont, and West Virginia. If you live in any of those places and you have Comcast, that's, I feel like, millions of people. On January 1st, 2021, Comcast will introduce a 1.2 terabyte cap on Xfinity Internet plans. So everyone was rightfully, and especially streamers, Real pissed about this uh, on Twitter today. Comcast replies, and they absolutely got destroyed. Their second tweet has over a thousand quote tweets and 126 likes. I am proudly one of those only 126 likes. They absolutely got ratioed uh, and just tons of replies. (laughs) Comcast replied and said, Hi, Sean. About 95% of our customers use less than 1.2 terabytes and are not impacted by this plan. Even with the spike in usage, customers are educated and working from home during COVID-19. 1.2 terabytes is a massive amount of data, and you can do a lot with it in one month. Stream about 500 hours of HD video a month, or spend nearly 3.5k hours of video conferencing, Zoom, FaceTime, Google Duo, I don't know what that was, and House Party, I loosely heard of that one. Enough to video conference for nearly four months straight. And everyone in the replies absolutely clowning on them. Uh, there are a couple other things that people are mad about there with Comcast being a monopoly and everything. But I did a little bit of math on my own that I'm very proud of. So with a 1.2 terabyte a month package, that is 1,200 gigs to make this a little bit easier. I went and looked at the download size of all of Modern Warfare, which was really difficult because you would think it's just Spec Ops, Campaign, Multiplayer, and Warzone, but there's actually so many little pieces of DLC that are required to play the game because DLC is free for Modern Warfare that it just adds up to something absolutely insane. So adding literally everything up except Warzone, Modern Warfare is a 95 gig game. Now, it's unrealistic that you're even going to play Spec Ops because... I literally don't even know a human being who played Spec Ops. And Campaign comes out to Campaign Pack 1 was 11.5 gigs, and Campaign Pack 2 was 16.3 gigs. So Campaign's relatively small, and you really only play it once unless you're trophy hunting. So let's go ahead and say you are going to uninstall Spec Ops and uninstall Campaign because you are not going to play either of those. So 95 gigs, let's say a little bit less than that, and I, I rounded down there in the 95 gigs whenever I was adding the numbers up. Warzone, by itself... Just Warzone is 81 gigs. So the total size of everything in Modern Warfare is 176 gigs. So with a 1.2 terabyte cap, you can download, I don't know why you would, 
six copies of Modern Warfare a month. Now, I realize Modern Warfare is kind of a, a stupidly huge game. Microsoft Flight Sim is about 150 gigs, and I haven't even downloaded any of the new updates uh, since the game has come out. So you're looking at downloading six, probably a little bit more than that because Modern Warfare is an exception with being comedically large because Infinity War doesn't know how to compress files, apparently. You're looking at downloading six AAA games if you don't do anything else. And this is 1.2 terabytes. If you're living by yourself, sure. But Comcast also goes off. This is literally their own number. What do they say here? 500 hours of HD video a month? Look, man, I'm locked. I am actually... Uh, Kitty and I just watched Haunting of Bly Manor, I think is what it was called. Um, and that was about an hour per episode. I think there are eight or nine episodes. It's already nine hours. That's what I watch one Netflix show literally like every six months. Something like that. So I'm, I'm really on the low side of the usage there. But you look at a family of four five or six, and they're all on Netflix, and they're all downloading their, God forbid, six copies of Modern Warfare and 1.2 terabytes. This doesn't even get into streaming. I don't know how... I've never had a data cap. I'm not going to sit here and praise AT&T because they've absolutely screwed me over uh, during my stream. I have. have. So what... what I have. It? I do have a data cap. Like? Um, I don't actually know what the data cap is, to be honest, so I'm not going to complain. Um, but... Uh, I am working now from home. So is my mother. Both of us have to do lots of like conferencing calls and stuff like regularly as part of work. And obviously I'm still like watching stuff. I'm still doing all the other stuff I normally do. And every month since quarantine began, or at least almost every month, we've been close to hitting whatever that cap is, which I forget what it was. I forget the number. They tell you the number when it's there, but like we've been... there's only two of you? This is only for two of us. But but having two people, like, basically always online and always having some sort of connection to something is um, taking up, basically, those numbers. And plus the fact that, like, you know, I'm not going out. All of our all of socializations and stuff is now, like, going on Discord and streaming something or watching something from streaming to watch at home. So there's a lot of internet being used at all times. And that takes it. That takes a lot of um, whatever. And getting games, getting new downloads of things, uh, all all of that matters. So I'm, and uh, if two people can make can get close to the cap, then that's really dangerous, especially for houses that may have more than two people living in it. Which is like most of our generation. We have to like room, or at least in the Bay Area. I don't know. Maybe it's different. And I know people in the Midwest can like buy a house at this age. But for us, we're like rooming with like seven people to a house or something. And so, and if everyone's working from home, everyone's just getting tons of data piping through the house. So th this counts against your upload. You can't upload, right? Data caps aren't just. I'm super ignorant to data caps, right? So if you're uploading, actually, a to Twitch, I, I don't. I don't know how much the data cap was worth, actually. I don't know if, how much upload is part of that. Yeah. Well, let's just go but ahead and... It probably is. It probably is. It probably is. Let's Which, say... obviously, Twitch streaming's a big one, too, and everyone's doing yeah. that now, because everyone has to stream... Either they're either streaming something, or they're watching a stream. Yeah. Uh, Kel here in chat, twitch.tv slash delshampoo. Kel is t uh, telling me that upload counts, same as download. Okay, so if upload, upload, uh, does upload count. counts one-to-one -one for your data cap. And again, I'm super ignorant because I've never had a data cap. But also, fuck you, AT&T. If, so if you had a 1.2 terabyte uh, package, right? 
uh, data cap, <laughs> and you streamed at 6,000 uh, kilobytes a second, right? You could stream for 18.5 days in a month, which is unrealistic, but you got to remember your people are also watching shows. Uh, you're downloading things. I yeah, usually they're have saying like, oh, you can do, you can do all of this many hours of access. Like, yes, but I don't just like use my computer solely to watch Netflix. I yeah. use it for many things. Sometimes I am watching something on YouTube while watching something on Discord or something. So, I did the math. That is 444 hours. Right? You can stream at 6,000 bit rate for 444 hours. If you look at when I was professionally streaming, I would literally at some weeks hit 80 hours of streaming a week. Not not even joking. So let's go low on that. Let's say I streamed 50 hours just to make uh, the numbers a little bit easier. So I streamed 200 hours a month when I was back professionally streaming, right? So out of the 444 hours I can spend streaming, that's minus 200. So that's almost half of my time right on the internet from the data cap taken up by just streaming and i'm one person in the household uh Keld says i hit my cap in 10 days by the way killed uh, a fellow twitch streamer he's probably trying to be more on the uh, professional long twitch streaming side now than i am these days uh hit my cap in 10 days from normal usage from my normal schedule three days a week streaming four hours those days so we're looking at this cap is higher but it's still yeah Restrictive. And, and it just implies that all you're doing is connecting. So you have those 200 extra hours. That's half your data cap just for everything else. Just so that means anything streaming. you want to watch. The fact that like streaming is not just going to be, um, you might not just be uh, streaming. You might be having like your stream open to verify. You might be needing to download game updates, system updates, computer mm -hmm. updates. All of those things, like if you're a modern warfare streamer, God help you. Yeah, hit your data cap and you're like, I got, I got a, you're like, I got a hundred gigabytes left. This is enough for one good stream or something. And then they're like, update time, and then you can't even get the update because your data cap got hit. No, I'm, I'll admit, modern warfare is an extreme case. That game is way too fat. But streaming, yes, 50 but games are getting big week. in general. Streaming. Games are getting big in general. Yeah. Like, they're not 200 gigabyte sizes, but, like, 50 is, like, an acceptable size nowadays, even for moderate games. So, if we're looking and at... if you get a number of those, you're... A lot. If we're looking at professional streamers streaming 50 hours a week, which is not unlikely, right? You think eight hours a day, maybe you take one day off, maybe you don't take any days off. There have literally been days where I will stream 10 hours a day, 10 to 12 hours a day every day. That's how I got really close to hitting 80 hours certain months. It's absolutely insane, an insane amount of streaming. But when the money's rolling in, when you're getting raids and hosts, you know, when your view count's up there and it's hot and people are chatting, you're going to keep streaming for longer and longer periods of time. It's not healthy. You don't recommend it. But it's not healthy at all. Yeah, we you'll go, you'll go insane. It'll cause you uh, permanent mental damage and stress. and uh, But... That will absolutely eat up your data cap, not counting watching things on Netflix or talking on Discord. Or Right now, when I work throughout my day, I have a Twitch stream open on my second monitor of someone playing a VR game or just doing whatever, and I probably have to download something for work. I'm often actually almost, I'm not, I would say weekly, I'm not going to say almost daily. Weekly, I have to download <laughs> new little indie games to test for work, and that's you know a chip at my data cap if I had one. Um, which is absolutely insane. So what Comcast is doing to rectify this, uh, they said on Twitter, 
For customers who regularly go over 1.2 terabytes, which they admitted was 5% of their customers, 1 in 20, we offer XFi Complete, which includes the XFi Gateway and Unlimited for $25. For customers who own their own modems, we offer the Unlimited Plan for $30. More details about these offers will be available in the coming weeks. So again, this is only impacting people in the Northeast. I'm sure though they're looking at uh, they're looking at all the money that can be picked up by running this around uh, the rest it's, of the it's U.S. It's very transparent, right? They put a restriction and then they sell you the the pass of that restriction. Yeah, and at this point, right? It's like if they it's like if I put a if I put a gigantic gate around your house and then you'll be like, oh, you want to get out? Well, good for you. I got a key here for seventy dollars. Gonna look at you right get you right out the door. What that at this point in a 2020 in America, your internet's a utility, bro. I'm the I was I was saying, what was it two weeks ago? I mean, the last episode of the early access podcast, uh, my power went out, and when the power goes out, the internet goes out also, and I just can't do of anything. Course. I can't do my job. I can't, <laughs> I can't do VR. Like I have two hours of charge on my Quest Two, but what am I going to do after that? The power was out for almost the entire day. I can play Pokemon cards by myself because it's a pandemic, and I can't invite anyone over. What am I going to do? Go out to the park? And sit on the swing. I'm way too big. I tried. There's nothing for me to do. So, internet's a. It's just it's such an essential part of our lives now. I also, work from home. We have PG&E, so we definitely have experienced lots of power outages. Yes, with things burning in California and having yeah, and they to, have to uh, keep shutting down the power to do that. I've considered getting yep. acoustic instruments just so I could have a hobby when the power's <laughs> out. I'm not joking. I'm just like this is the future we're living in already. So when the time comes for me to move out, buy a house, whatever I'm going to do assessing how the internet is in the area is going to be a major part of, unless I become a welder or something stupid like that, just, I, you know, become a caveman or wrong go out being and live in the forest. I have no skills that would lead me to be a carpenter or anything, but even carpenters need power drills, right? Anyway. Oh, the, well, internet, it's not, it's internet, not right? Internet. Yeah, it's not internet. I need to assess when I move out of my house, what the internet is like in that area, because it's just as important as water and power. At this point, I literally can't do my job without the internet. And so this is a really cool guy thing to do, Comcast. Uh, all my friends out there, during a pandemic, starts January 1st, 2021. Uh, just, it's also just such timing, too. Yep. Like, we are in the pandemic when everybody has to use so much more internet than we already do. And we've, like, culturally i feel like more people have opened up like you know uh to us who are used to you know getting on discord at night and having chats with friends on discord or something adults who haven't done that who are used to going outside are learning how to do that now too like they're doing online parties and stuff like that like the internet has culturally become i think a lot more accepted by everyone now and seeing how important it is to like maintain our connections and then comcast comes during that time to kind of say, hey, guys, we're going to charge you if you use too much of it. Yeah. Real cool guy move, Comcast. Uh, thank you it's for... so tone deaf. It's amazingly tone deaf. Thank you for being Shameless, a... I guess so. Yeah. I don't think they... I think they know what they're doing. They just know they can get away with it. They're uh, being a greedy, gigantic corporation and a real, real sweet move for people who are locked down and have nothing better to do to impose these data caps. And so soon. How... January 1st, it's November 24th. This isn't, this news broke two days ago and then the article and the tweet really mm -hmm. got uh, shelled on Twitter today, but that's not a lot of time and people don't have a lot of alternate options. So 
A big yeah, fuck you to Comcast. A, a lot of time you don't have any options. In fact, that's one of the big ways they are able to gain these kinds of um, powers is they just keep lobbying governments to let them have control over the local infrastructure, which is public infrastructure sometimes, but or at least at one point it was. And then they're able to to charge whatever the hell they want because they own the rights to like just having the internet in that area. Many places don't have another option. Yeah, I have two options. I have Comcast and AT&T. I called AT&T the other oh, week. Oh, wow. Great great company, those AT&T guys. <laughs> I threatened to switch to Comcast uh, because I wanted faster service. Uh, I have their highest internet package, so I, I wanted faster service and a lower price. And I said, I'm just going to have to go to Comcast. They immediately connected me to the customer retention department, or they call it the customer loyalty department. And the guy got me a lower rate and a faster package than what is advertised. They could just flip the switch, apparently. <laughs> so they really don't offer a package faster than me. I got to go to Comcast, guys. Oh, we found some internet over here, Nikki. Now all of a sudden you have 10 up instead of 5 up. They offer 5 up. That is their maximum package. I don't live in the middle of nowhere. I live in the East Bay, Northern California, not too far from San Francisco. It's in the Bay Area, yeah. It's like you know, equidistant can, from San Francisco and, and San Jose, Silicon Valley. Yeah. yeah, I am across the bridge. I am right there, dude. I could get I could be at Facebook in fifteen minutes. Yeah, there's no traffic right now. I could be at Facebook in fifteen minutes if I need to. <laughs> because of traffic. <laughs> On traffic days it's more like three hours, but uh, I'll I'll walk at that point. Uh you know, or I'll just ask the Zuck no to walking. take his helicopter over to me. There's no there's no walking paths on the San Mateo Bridge, but that's a, that's another yeah. rant to get into. Well anyway. Yeah, they somehow just found some internet. Oh, are the highest package we offer is five up. I streamed on a thirty five hundred bit rate. For those of you who have no idea what I'm saying, that's not that much. On Twitch for years, and I call them up, and they're like, "Oh, we found twice your upload speed. We just, it's just it was just here. It was just here. You threatened a little bit, but we just so happened to find it. So you can go ahead and upgrade you. Thanks for being an AT and T customer. <laughs> like, yeah, you fucking best bet. I'm gonna call again next year, and I get twenty up. And my friends in Seattle are absolutely making fun of me gigabit internet anyway <laughs> uh, it's also a thing like i one thing i always would have liked to see and i've always i kind of wish there'd be a company that does this but maybe for like you know various reasons I, i'm not a business person i'm speaking entirely as a consumer that what i'd like to see is like you go to you go to order internet from some like you know say like the good internet company or something and you get two sliders one is download one is upload and like, let's say with like with like increments, right? It's not like you can get like fifty seven point yeah. one download or something. Like it's like increments, like maybe fifty, a hundred, whatever. And you can just set this. And like, obviously, the higher you go, if you max them both out, you got to pay a ton of money. But like, you can choose what not, and like, you can say, okay, I don't need as much download, but I have a server in my house. Let's put a little more upload up there or something. I'd love to just do that, and then I'll pay you for that. Just give me the service that you want. If I want more, I'll just increase one or something. I think knowing. I what- like that. I'd like that. I don't know if that's economically feasible. Some business person's probably gonna be like, "This is why this doesn't happen." I don't care. That's just what I'd like. To I have. like that too. I think what happens is most people aren't us, and they're like, "What's an upload? What's a download?" They, boomers have no idea what they're so they just sell packages. This package is this. Most people only download things they offer because I was again just shopping for internet. Not too long ago. Right. They offer packages by the download speed because that's what people use more. And the upload speed's hidden in the fine print. They call it 50-10 or they'll call it 100-50 yeah. 
or something. That's the upsetting part as someone who needs upload. Yeah, but most people are just watching Netflix or porn or whatever it is on their smart TVs yeah. with cameras on them. So they just they just need to know what that. <laughs> I I understand that part. Swipe their but credit like, card. I wish there's like a like when you go to like Bandcamp and you go to download an album. Um, you you know you buy your album, you pay for it, and you hit the download button and it says MP3, and then you can hit like the the uh like drop down menu, and then it'll give you the options of like. Oh, you can get in like MP3, oh, or yeah. if you know what you're doing, you can get it in Vorbis or Lossless, uh, Free Lossless, or Wave, or so, and like the options of like people who who know what these things are. It's like if you know what they are, here's your options if you would like them. But it, it's like it's not invasive to the main page. It's not like there's a big pop up saying you got to pick one of your file formats, and then someone's like, "What's a codec?" Um, it's just saying like, "Here's your download." But if you know what a codec is. Here's your other options too that we've given to you. It's good. I like their model, but Bandcamp's just a really good model in general of how to run a a company of its type. All right, because this is the early access podcast. At some point, we'll talk about gaming, but right now we got to talk about one plague on humanity to another plague on humanity. The coronavirus cases in California. Uh, you look at the chart. And just yesterday, there's a spike in the chart that's, I think, almost twice as big as the last spike on the chart. Oh, it's it's getting there. November 23rd, coronavirus cases in California up to 17,694. I think our last peak was around 11 or 12,000. So uh, this mm-hmm. was literally yesterday. We're seeing just an absolutely ginormous spike in cases. And uh, it's not looking good moving up to Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm going to read this. I just read it uh, on the pre-show. Let me crack it open again. This is from Global News on Twitter, which I don't know if... Uh, <laughs> oh, they got a blue check mark, so I guess it's real. Oh, it's Canadian News. So they're probably... Ma- oh, they're making fun of us. That's what's happening. Okay. Global News is a Canadian site. That's why I wasn't too familiar with it. More than 2 million Americans are projected to fly to a destination for Thanksgiving, a decrease of roughly 48% from the last year. Uh, and they show these flight charts where there's just going to be a, an insane number of people traveling around uh, for Thanksgiving. That's just the headline uh, going actually into the article. There's going to be uh, lots of people. Uh, the source comes from the International Air Transportation Association Uh Oh, they're going to be developing a travel pass that would enable travelers to log and identify their Rona tests or vaccination certificate um, before being approved to travel. Anyway, that's too that's too much. That's too bright for for me right now. I just want to complain about how many people, <laughs> for absolutely no good reason. I, I do like to read the article a little bit. I just want to read the headline and comment on that. But what are you guys doing, bro? So cute. Kuehler said earlier, just the sheer number of people in 2019 who are complaining that they have to go to Thanksgiving, and then in 2020, everyone's flying out for Thanksgiving again. I, I personally, so this is a little bit looking into the life of Nikki from Still Shampoo. If you were to plot my favorite holidays, uh, the Fourth of July is on top. I'm gonna that one's S tier. Like A tier, I'd be putting Halloween. I put most other holidays, Valentine's Day and St. Patrick's Day and New Year's. Ah, New Year's I might put an A tier. Those are all B, C tier holidays, right? Thanksgiving for me, 
is hard F tier holiday. It is easily my least favorite holiday. It is first of all, first of all, it's sandwiched between again, Halloween, which is an A tier holiday, and Christmas, which I'd put at a high B tier holiday. So we, it's surrounded by two superior holidays, just objectively speaking. And no one in my family is a, is a good cook. We're always ordering food out. Um, I have never been to a Thanksgiving dinner and just been blown away by my family's cooking. But also, turkey is Come inferior. Come over next year. I don't know about next year. The Rona might still be going on. We might have to we'll have to 2022. Yeah, vaccine's coming on. You never know. Uh, you know, I've never had a Friendsgiving. That's I think I have. Uh, and I'm counting that one as separate. But in my opinion, turkey is strictly inferior to chicken. And mashed potatoes are the worst form of potato. Potato skins? I like mashed potatoes. Pretty good. French fries? Way better. Baked potatoes? Way better. Every form of potato, in my opinion, is superior to the mashed potato. Now, I'm not saying mashed potatoes are bad. I'm saying all those other ones are better. Like, I don't mind mashed potatoes, but that is not... If I were to choose a form of potato to eat, which I do on a near daily basis, mashed potato is absolute bottom tier. I, I like. I don't want this. Now, I, I don't have any hard opinions on like, oh, is this food better than the other? I do have general opinions that the food is a little bit dull to me in, in like the standard way you eat it. Obviously, some people will like have their own way of preparation. So does my family. Like again, mashed potato is just the potato mashed. It, it's that's kind of it. Um, and then we don't even have that many kinds of potato in the United States, but that's the Peruvian and me talking. And then like the way the turkey is prepared is normally like you have a turkey which is a poultry. You have the gravy which is the juice of the turkey, but like thickened with flour or something. And then you have the stuffing which is like bread dipped in like a broth which is like a turkey-ish juice again so you kind of have like three different ways to taste the turkey which feels very redundant to me it's, it, it feels like a very dull way of preparing food i know it's like the the european modern way of preparing food where um sauces and stuff is supposed to accentuate the same flavor rather than like be something different that's a very different story <laughs> to bring up but it's not the most exciting thing to me um and normally we prepare other things that are different at home, at least in my home. Which, that's also... I never hated Thanksgiving that much because it's always just been the people in my household. Maybe some of the people that live nearby me, but with a family that lives kind of all around the world. It's normally just the people in our household. And they come over, and we just, like, literally just go down for dinner, except it's just a bigger dinner. And then that's it. And it's chill, and we don't have to deal with all the hatred of all the other family members and whatever random things get brought up. I don't know. That's cool, and I recommend that to people. Maybe that's the better way to go forward. Just have it with the same people you're used to. Yeah. So maybe I, we'll have a friendsgiving. I don't. I would really like friendsgiving. I don't like. We don't, it doesn't even have to be on Thanksgiving. We could just have it some random day. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be literally whenever. I mean, it's June, just called June dinner. Uh, you just go for dinner. What I don't like. Um, the main. We're gonna get real deep, Nikki therapy session here i should probably be telling this to a professional but the main thing I, I really don't like about thanksgiving is uh growing up i am the oldest of my generation and my family my dad was the oldest of all of his uh brothers and i'm i was the first born uh so there's a lot of expectations on me and people are always um anytime my family hears something about what i'm doing they ask about it so i'm i'm very careful with the information i share because it 
ripples through. There's not something that I can just confide in and be all like, hey, um, I'm thinking of doing this. As soon as I tell someone that, the rest of the family knows. So for example, when I got my job at Live, I, I literally worked there for I think two weeks and had my first paycheck lined up before anyone in my family knew I even had a new job. Because if I go out and tell people like, hey, I got an interview for this and I don't get it, everyone asks about it. I feel like I don't meet those expectations of having secured that job. And uh, so I, I don't tell anyone about anything until I have it. Uh, I, I am very similar. I have had many interviews that just never mentioned. Yeah. Like ever. Yeah, I, I just won't tell anyone because they'll tell everyone else. It's never just a... You know, oh, that's a piece of information Nikki gave me. It's a, all right, I'm going to immediately go over to uh, Zuck, Zuck's website and let everyone know that, oh, he's going for a job interview or, um, oh, he's dating someone else or. Oh, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad no one does that because that's. That's a terrible one. If someone, I never, never, never broadcast that someone's going for a job interview because it's a job interview. It's not a job offer. And I especially never, ever bring a girl anywhere near the family unless she is going to be coming back repeatedly because the millisecond if i was in the grocery store and a woman came up and asked me hey where's the where's the cinnamon toast crunch and i told her and my grandma saw me do that i'm I'm marrying that woman and she's gonna ask me where she is every every single time i'm seen and uh, I just, I just don't Nikki, like. Where's that. that woman from the Safeway? How huh? oh, probably eating yeah, her right. cinnamon toast crunch. Yeah, yeah, what do you I, think? I knew where it was. I, I brought her up to it. She's, I don't know, having a great life. Hopefully, it's a top tier cereal. I do think it is a good cereal. Is uh, it a top tier cereal? I had it like once in my life, and I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. But regardless, there are just some things that I, uh, you know, if it, it was a failure, I don't want to seem like a failure for having not made it. internally i know oh i didn't get that job it's no big deal or oh i you know this relationship didn't work out it's not a big deal but then to be asked about it also my so i am very conscious about other people and maybe the questions that they get a lot uh, I'm, I'm not the best at it but for example uh at one point my aunt broke her leg and she was walking around with crutches i didn't ask how she broke her leg because i was one thousand percent certain that someone else would ask and she a wouldn't want to tell the story or b it would be the 80th time she told the story and i would then hear the answer and one of my uh, other family members just hounded her like trying to figure out how her leg was broken ultimately i don't care like i hope you're doing okay and i hope i hope it heals but if you don't want to share for like the 80th time or if it was maybe a weird embarrassing like slip in the shower and and crack your ankle on a dildo kind of accident then whatever you don't have to share i i i don't care i, I will share, sometimes share. ask i i will sometimes ask yeah but if the answer is something very like curt just like accident like it was an accident or something that's the hint i, I will get the hint yes that like yeah. obviously you don't if the, the fact that you didn't go into details either you don't want to share the details or you're just tired of sharing the details but either both are valid and i'm just like yeah i'll take it that's all i need to know yeah, as as long as I know that you are literally not just about to drop dead, I ultimately do not care all that much. Uh, right. Which I think is one of my superpowers. I like. I just don't. It, I don't care if it doesn't affect me. I don't care. So that is yeah. That's my little. I mean, there's a trillion other things I could rant about at Thanksgiving. I will do anything that I can to avoid it. And this is the best excuse I have had thus far. I think in 2018 
maybe it was 2017, somewhere around there. I went to Pokemon. I went to go play Pokemon Go. Um, because I think that was 2018. I don't think it's it's. I don't think it was around in 2017. I think Pokemon Go came out. I think in that was 2018, summer. Regardless, was it they 16? had. Oh shit! Yeah, it it's older 16. than I thought it was. Uh, I went out to. God, it's a lot of time. I went out to a college campus to play Pokemon Go uh, because I. Oh, that is true. I like hadn't spent hadn't spun the Poke Stops there yet. I don't know if that bonus was live in the game yet. But basically, I literally went out to farm Pokemon Go instead of going to Thanksgiving. Like I packed literally like protein bars and a backpack and some trail mix, and I was just walking around San Jose State University, spinning Poke Stops and battling in gyms. My parents did threaten me to uh, drive over to Thanksgiving. I so this whole Verona like don't go kill grandma uh, is the most solid excuse i've ever had and uh yeah just you know i just don't i just don't enjoy it i was never i'm not like i wasn't abused as a child or anything i just find it uh at most annoying and uh weird to be talking to other members of my family and maybe that's a uh, something i should work through with a shrink but i am uh I, if all the things i'm missing because of the rona thanksgiving is the last thing like th- this is the one thing I'm like, you know what? There's two things I'm happy I'm not doing: driving in traffic, which people are actually driving a lot more now. It, it seems like we've all forgotten there's the Rona. We are locked down in California again, uh, but driving in traffic is one thing I don't miss, and Thanksgiving is the other. All right, what do we want to talk about next? We have Pokemon cards. We can yell at Twitch. There's so much happening on the show. Uh, Nintendo. I'm talking about. I'll probably talk about Cold War because uh, you didn't buy Cold War, did you, Killer? No, I did not. That's what I was asking earlier. Okay, so Call of Duty Cold War came out uh, like not even two weeks ago, and I've been playing it quite a bit. Uh, first off, I am just so happy that I'm not playing Modern Warfare because you wouldn't think on paper that doors and mounting guns would be incredibly annoying mechanics. I mean, I yeah, actually, on paper, they were annoying, and in practice, they were even worse. I absolutely hated... Modern Warfare, the maps were absolute garbage. I am so glad we are back to the same old boring three-lane, two levels of elevation max, except for that Armada map that's literally on a boat. Um, But I'm glad we're (laughs) three-lane maps, two levels of elevation tops, and the game is, it's a Treyarch game. Um, So the things I loved about it, first off, the single-player was fantastic. I regard, I think, Black Ops 1, the original 2007 Modern Warfare. Um, and actually played the single player? Yeah, I played the single player of Cold War. Huh. Um, and did you ever finish the single player for uh, World War Two? I did not finish that one. Uh, God, you should. And what is the other one? Oh, Modern Warfare 2019. I think both the Modern Warfares... This is Modern Warfare. Modern yeah. Warfare 2 and 3 were great. They were they were stupid. They make no sense, but they're great. It was, it was very actiony. Um, and Black Ops One. I think those are in my mind the best Call of Duty campaigns. I think Cold War is up there. It is top two, maybe top three uh, Call of Duty campaigns I ever played. There's elements to the story that are kind of pick your own path, optional missions. I I got the good ending, which I feel like isn't the coolest ending. I feel like if I had done things poorly, that shit would have gone real wrong and I would have got a worse ending. I, I don't know what happens if you get one of the bad endings. But 
the single player was very satisfied with. Um, the story was a bit generic, but the actual gameplay and um, the setting and the settings of the Cold War, I really liked. There is one mission that I feel like is as iconic as, say, like Gillies in the Mist or that uh, the nuke mission in the original 2007 Modern Warfare where uh, you go back to rescue the downed helicopter pilot and as you're carrying her back, um, your teammates are covering you and you get her in and like, yeah, we got out with her. And then a nuke blows up and kills everyone and then you're crawling around like barely alive before you faint in the chopper. Spoiler alert for Modern Warfare 2007. Modern Warfare 2000. Yeah. You haven't played Modern Warfare yet. If you haven't, I don't think you care at this point, but... That was a... Um... Or you might be young, I don't know. There's a mission in Cold War where you are a Russian ambassador. You're some high-ranking Russian official, uh, and you are defecting from Soviet Russia. And it's not a gun mission until the second half. So the first half is kind of like a stealth um, like negotiation kind of mission, and that was so cool. Um, to see in a Call of Duty campaign. I feel like it's par for the course for Fallout or any RPG game, but uh, the single player was fantastic. I've been playing. This sounds like a, a World War II level. I didn't play all of there's World the, War II. There's the, the World War II level where you have to go infiltrate occupied France. Like, you're like a, an undercover person who like pr- pretends to be a German officer to like sneak into the, the officer's court. It is, it is a stealth mission. Like, it is very hard. Like, if you if you get detected, you just get an unlimited amount of enemies coming at you, so you can't really like fight your way out of this. Yeah. Um so it is definitely like a stealth mission. And you gotta like sneak around, like you sneak around inside the buildings, but also you gotta be like around the outside and like wait for lights to pass or like check for people walking around. It's actually like reasonably okay. Uh and then the cool part is that once you finally like kill the main officer or like set off whatever, I forget, honestly. Uh, then you swap over to the soldiers that are running in and invading, even though there was no actual like battle in in the <laughs> in the city. Um, regardless, you're still you still like run in and and fight like near the Notre Dame, and it's it's a, it's a fun little like ba- like contrast of like the pure stealth mission to like then the actiony in like a city environment. It was a nice level. That was my favorite one. I think also. Also, one of the only games I have seen set in Paris that actually put a pharmacy in there, because one of the most common things you'll see outside of, like, bakeries is pharmacies. I just thought that was, like, a nice thing that I don't see very often. So I think Raven may have helped with that campaign. I'm not sure uh, in World Mm -hmm. War II. But Raven made this campaign uh, straight up. I think they made the whole thing under Treyarch with World War, so... Uh, that's probably why they're relatively similar yeah. levels, if that's true. Uh, Zombies also is back. Zombies is dope. Uh, it is, I think, the easiest Zombies level ever made. There's so many different places to cut. You you can really be a complete dumbass and still complete the Easter egg, which I really like that they simplified Easter eggs. In Black Ops 2 and 3, it got so complicated. I remember Shangri-La and the baby maker, and you had, to, you had to kick the babies and then activate the mud traps in a certain way. It was so insanely complicated. Yeah, you could shoot. You, you had to shoot the zombies and make them into babies. And then you had to do something with the babies. But the point is, in Shangri-La, to get all of the perks, you had to complete that really complicated Easter egg. And in this new zombies map, to get all the perks, you just need enough money. And so they didn't lock anything like super difficult. You didn't even get the wonder weapon out of the box. They didn't un- unlock or, or lock rather any super difficult and 
uh, gameplay critical things behind the Easter egg. And I've actually figured out about half the Easter egg on my own. I still don't know how to do it completely. But I'm playing a lot of solo zombies. It is super easy to kite. You can be a complete noob to zombies. There's a mini map. The way the map is designed, there's so many different places if you have a full squad that people can run around. If you think of, uh, say, Ascension back in Black Ops 1, there was three really good spots to kite. There was the spinning dildo in the starting room. Then there's like outside of Pack-A-Punch. And I think there was... Uh, one of the launch pads near PhD Flopper. Those are the three easy places to kite. So if you had a squad of four, the fourth guy kind of had to stay near the person who was at the dildo because the dildo would insta-kill all the zombies. Uh, there's not too many places for the fourth person to really kite easily. In this new map, there's every everywhere you can kite. Um, so that they made it super simple for new players. Um, you upgrade your weapons is really easy. Starting up the pack-a-punch and turning on the power all super easy. You don't need to watch literally 30 minutes of guides to figure any of that stuff out. Um, and it really complements the grinding system. Now, here's my one complaint with Cold War. And it's, I feel like, a really glaring issue. It's super annoying. Now, Double XP is live literally right now. And I'm actually going to go play Cold War after I'm done talking about this, um, all the stuff on the Alexis podcast. But grinding feels painful. It is terrible. And and that's actually the one reason why I wouldn't recommend it to you, Kuehler. Um, because grinding in Cold War is... It sucks. So, oh, yeah. It takes some time. Yeah, I've noticed yeah. that. So, if you look at the sniper rifles, uh, there are... There's, I think, a stock or a grip on the sniper rifles that gives you reduced flinch, 12% uh, decrease to ADS time, uh, and then, like, one other good bonus... And it has the penalties minus 30% hip fire. Who the fuck cares about your hip fire accuracy with your sniper rifle? Now, maybe there's some mechanic to where um, you can scope halfway in and your hip fire like gets smaller. So maybe you need hip fire with, with quick scoping. But regardless, all the good attachments are at the end of the guns. Uh, when you fully level them up. But when you have a gun fully leveled up, you want to go and try to level up a different gun. And so I feel like it's it's kind of a waste to play with your fully leveled up gun with all the good attachments because there's a bunch of different guns you need to go level. Now, Zombies kind of alleviates that. I could just put on a show and run around and shoot zombies. And like I said, zombies is super easy. Um, but back in Black Ops 1, they had a money system to unlock weapons. And this is a philosophy that has been completely abandoned. In Black Ops 1... When you unlocked a gun, if you wanted it, you could buy it. If you didn't want it, you could save your money. And what that did was weapons that you wanted, you can just get. And weapons that you don't want, you can just skip over and ignore. Now, attachments were also locked behind money. And the whole philosophy behind this was, you don't give a fuck about half the attachments. You don't want an ACOG sight on your submachine gun. So you are going to buy the attachments you want. And then save your money to buy more guns and those attachments on those other guns. Just be efficient with the currency that you get in that game. Now, that was a philosophy of Black Ops 1. Get what you want. And now with Black Ops Cold War, which is ironically the sequel to Black Ops 1, uh, technically, it is grind your ass off to eventually get the best stuff at the end. And one of the other problems with this system is if you go back to Black Ops 4 when we had the Pick 10 system... You could not have an objectively better gun than uh, than me without some downside. So if you put a grip and a red dot and a stock and everything else on your gun, you got to give up all your perks or you got to give up your grenade or uh, you have to give up stim. 
And so there's a trade-off because it's a pick 10 system. You get 10 things out of wild cards, attachments, and uh, there were things you had to sacrifice and perks maybe that you had to either consider essential or maybe attachment you had to consider essential because you only had 10 points. Now with Black Ops Cold War, there are attachments that are just a pure benefit. So against a new player, right, I could have an assault rifle with literally a higher rate of fire, less sway, more uh, aim down or less aim down size time rather, and it's my assault rifle is objectively better than yours in every statistic, right? And there are some things where maybe you give up one thing with a grip, uh, you get more recoil, but then you choose a stock that reduces the recoil, just for example. Um, and so then your gun is still objectively better in some other ways, right? Or who cares about hip fire on your sniper rifle? Just give that all up. Just screw your sniper's hip fire. And so the way the system works now is they've moved towards a super grindy system, whereas before the grinding was prestigious. You reset, but then you spend a prestige token, and then by level four or five, when you've unlocked create a class again, you're back to where you need to be. You prestige your gun, but now that I don't have gun attachments, I could just pick up more perks, right? I never felt like with Black Ops 4 system, I was behind. Uh, I had a worse class load. Maybe I had a different class load, but I didn't have a worse one. In Black Ops Cold War, I just have a worse class system. I don't have a single gun maxed out in Cold War. And I'm Prestige 1, level 26 or something like that. I don't have a single gun maxed out yet in that game. Now, Treyarch does do a little bit better of a job with balancing their weapons. There's the AK, the Craig... Uh, the MP5, Those are, there's a ton of different viable guns. But to get those viable guns all leveled up, you really have to spend a lot of time grinding them. And I absolutely hate this system. They have some kind of data from Modern Warfare that said, oh, player retention is better uh, when you have this kind of system where people have to grind for attachments and not just camos because... Uh, you know, they're actually going to impact the gameplay so people are more compelled to go for them and play with a bunch of different guns. They have some kind of data, I'm convinced, that increases player retention with attachments. And I don't like the argument of, oh, more attachments, there's like 55 attachments per gun, more attachments, more choice. Uh, and I really like, I think it was Wolf Glick, he's a big Pokemon, uh, probably the biggest Pokemon YouTuber and one of the most recognizable ones. But um, similar to having all these kinds of different attachments, he made an argument against having all Pokemon be legal, right? And only having a certain subset of Pokemon be legal. If you think about going to a restaurant and they serve tons of different kinds of food, they're probably not particularly good at making any of those kinds of food. Whereas if maybe you go to, uh, say like a steakhouse and there's all these different kinds of meat, right? Or you go to Korean barbecue, then the food's going to be a little bit better at that specialized restaurant rather than at that restaurant that just kind of serves absolutely everything. Think of like maybe a Denny's. I know I just compared Korean barbecue to Denny's, which might be blasphemy in some people's eyes, but I feel like Cold War is similar. In Modern Warfare, Warzone, we would all use the same attachments. The top players would all use the same five attachments, give or take one attachment, on their M4s. You had a bigger magazine, the monolithic suppressor, the... Best barrel is a grenadier on the M16, uh, a sight, and then a stippled grip. And everyone uses, despite there being 55 attachments, all the top players just use those exact set of attachments, right? You go to the restaurant with a, tons of, a ton of different kinds of food, and you order the one good thing on the menu because everything else is subpar. Same with Pokemon, right? The reason if you look at all Pokemon, even if you don't know anything about Pokemon, I promise this will make sense to you. Pokemon is played with legendary Pokemon band. 
right? And that's to make it so that everyone's not just running a team of Lugias and Mewtwo's and Arceus's, right? By restricting the legendary and more powerful Pokemon, it forces people to be more creative with their with the six that they take into battle. And so just having more attachments doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have more viable ways to play the game. You can have more goofy ways to play the game. You can put a short barrel on your gun and a sniper scope on it, sure. But as far as the actual attachments we use there, everyone's all going to be using the same four or five attachments. And I don't care about half of these red dots. Most of the attachments are just throwaway garbage. Who is going to want a light machine? Oh, I'm going to give up uh, aim down sights time on my super heavy light machine gun so I can, I don't know, put this sniper scope on it. There, there are just some attachments there that no one's going to care about. And there's redundant ones. I, I don't need to choose from 20 different kinds of red dot sites. I, I, I don't care. Give me one red, give me the red dot site. If we go back to COD 4 or COD 5, you know what the five attachments were in COD 5? There's the aperture site, the suppressor, and extended mags. You got one of those things. And most of the time people chose extended mags. And I'm glad Call of Duty's evolved. We got the pick 10 system and more kill streaks. Uh, but the grinding system is my number one gripe with the game. It's, it's one reason why I wouldn't recommend it to someone who's just going to pick up and play it every now and then because you will just straight up have worse guns. You won't have wild cards, which can, are just good, right? In Black Ops 4, if you took a wild card, that took up a pick 10 slot. Now, in Cold War, if you pick a wild card, my favorite one, Perk Greed, you just get three more perks. No downside. You get three perks. Period. I guess the downside is you don't get Danger Close, which is an extra grenade. Right? But in Black Ops 4, if you picked Perk Greed, then you lost out on maybe your sidearm or maybe stim or a grenade or something like that. And so I just really don't like this loadout system. I, I feel like it reduces, if anything, uh, creativity. It makes... It makes me feel like I'm behind. I feel I feel like I can't use guns because skill-based matchmaking is feels tight. Um, skill-based matchmaking, I, I'm convinced, exists now with uh, some tests Exclusive Ace did back in Modern Warfare. And because I feel like I'm playing against good players all the time, I can't just level up a gun that I don't have any attachments on because, again, that gun is not as good as my fully leveled up MP5 or not even fully leveled up, like I said earlier. So... Yeah, it's my number one gripe with Cold War. I, I, I do love the game. It's a lot of fun. Um, and I'm so glad we're playing a Treyarch Call of Duty instead of Modern Warfare. I actually enjoy the multiplayer. Um, but that is my number one gripe. And it's being alleviated as time goes on as I unlock more attachments. But week one, I was feeling it. It sucked. And week two, uh, it's feeling a little bit better. Okay, we have two massive tap uh, topics to tackle still. Uh, I'm going to briefly glaze over i know this is a ginormous topic but we're almost one hour in uh dcma on twitch so twitch fucked up everyone's been talking about this uh, and i have a little bit of a different stance on dcma on twitch the digital copyright millennium act uh streamers have been struck on twitch for some pretty dumb reasons and these people i do sympathize with i, I do want to make that clear the streamer who got copyright struck by someone who owns the audio to a waterfall or something like that, um, <laughs> wow. because they had some white noise in the background. I sympathize with that person. Uh, someone was doing a cooking stream, I think, and I, I have some details wrong, I'm sure. 
But basically, they turned a blender on and Skrillex claimed their video. I'm sure it wasn't Skrillex himself, but you get the point. Uh, yeah, it's almost never the artists themselves. Yeah. And so for those people who are being falsely claimed, I feel you. For the dumbass streamers who have been playing Imagine Dragons and Katy Perry and Top 40's hits on their streams and they, oh, whoa, I got copyright. I feel no sympathy for you. There's so many free tools out there with Monster Cat and labels and royalty free there, music. There is a, less popular there is a good argument for, for rhythm games, though. Yes. Where that is kind of unavoidable, depending on the game. Uh, like uh, harmonics yeah. just really harmonics just released fuser which is literally a mashup generator video game I've so it's literally it. just taking a bunch it's literally just taking a bunch it's it's like the evolution of drop mix basically it's oh, kind of like drop mix too some people have called it but it's like without the cards it's just a video game now but you're basically like a dj mashing up famous songs um and like the game will like do auto matching and auto pitching and everything and um that I can imagine that being a hard thing. That game kind of came out around the same time that all of this started happening. So it's yeah. like someone's mashing up pretty like like I'm, I'm talking like famous songs, I'm talking like Lady Gaga, Smash Mouth, like um, Rockefeller Skank by that some I forgot the artist. Uh, a bunch of generally famous music, and they're gonna have a lot more DLC coming out. That's hard, and I, I really feel for that one. Obviously, like, nightcore Japanese rhythm gaming is a little more safe, but that's just because the artists don't really pay attention. So I, or, the, or the producers don't pay attention. I feel bad for the, the people who are playing rhythm games, and I, yeah. I, I take the same stance as literally any other internet-savvy person. DCMA is a super archaic and really poorly thought out and needs to evolve uh, law, although it is important for artists to protect their copyright and get compensated for what they're doing. Uh, really got to see some changes. And Twitch is not doing anything to uh, help people out there. Wh who I don't feel bad for are the streamers who are sitting and people just People just chatting. playing it are asking, yeah. People yeah. who are just playing music on their stream, they're kind of just asking for that. And I'm not um, talking like a jukebox kind of thing. I Like, people requested Nightbot takes commands, like, oh, get a song request. I have never, ever on my stream uh, played copyrighted music. Or if I did, that VOD got deleted immediately. All right, I took note of it, and it was extremely rare. Uh, most of the time, if you listen to me, I'm sitting there just quiet because that's actually how I operate. I, I hate the radio, despite the fact that I went to school for radio. I hate listening to the radio. Um, so <laughs> I would literally drive in silence before I will turn the radio on or I'll turn on a podcast or something like that. When I work, it's dead silent. How I kind of just do anything is relatively musicless. When I do listen to music, I you know, buy the CD and put it in or actually like listen to the music rather than having it be a background thing. Uh, so that's just kind of a personality thing. But also when I was uh, in high school, I was in broadcasting Academy and one of my teachers, um, I think he came from some NBC or some big uh, channel and he was very traditional media. If you didn't own the rights to it, if you literally didn't uh, email the manager of the killers to ask to use that track, then don't use it, even though it's for education. And so that's kind of where I learned that, oh, yeah. I, that I is how you work early. in old media, to be fair, which yeah. I think is maybe where some people are getting a little caught up in this, because obviously if you're a big enough streamer, especially if you're a big enough streamer, uh, you are a major media production. And that's how... Like, if, if you're would, just, yeah. like, someone streaming to no viewers, maybe streaming to your friends or something... And you do that, I understand, like, that just kind of sucks. 
Um, and ideally there should be and it's all derivative works anyways but if you are like a big production like you're a partnered sponsored streamer and you're doing this this is actually this is like the equivalent of if they just started playing imagine dragons on like the cable news without permission so that that's Thank pretty much don't. that's how i was brought up i absolutely hate imagine dragons uh, so i very early on on yeah, my stream was very aware imagine dragons on this stream no, no, they'll never be listening to the Earl Access podcast. But that's how I was... I, I had that attitude from the very start. Uh, and so Twitch absolutely got destroyed on Twitter. Um, I, I feel it's on two sides, right? Twitch was not prepared for this. Also, don't be playing Lady Gaga on your stream in the background if you do delete the VOD. Um, those are the two people who I just do not sympathize with at all. Uh, the people I do sympathize with is, is the person who turned their blender on and then their video got claimed. Yeah. Um, so Twitch does not provide tools to either counterclaim, uh, delete your qu clips quickly and smoothly. I saw pictures of people having to delete years and years of clips and uh, it said, oh yeah, uh, this will be done in multiple days. And Twitch said, you have 24 hours to take down all your clips or take down the clips with copyrighted content. They didn't tell them which one specifically. So I delete all of them and deleting all of them literally took uh, multiple days. Twitch also put out a pretty bonehead statement that they apologized for afterwards. Wow. There's a theme on this podcast. It's Twitch put out a bonehead Twitch statement, makes a did statement a stupid thing. and then apologizes. <laughs> yeah, right. That's how often do they do this? Someone take note. Um, Anyway, they, on November 11th, put out uh, a statement. Your frustration and confusion with recent music-related copyright issues is justified. Uh, there was not enough time for most creators to sort through all their VODs and clips. We should have developed more sophisticated and user-friendly tools long ago. To all the creators who lost their community's best moments, we're sorry. This shouldn't have happened. And they also said before May, they received less than 50 DC, uh, DMCAs a year. And then now they are receiving thousands a week. Um, which is why streamers. I do wonder what changed. I don't know if there's been has there been analysis on like where that happened, where that all came from. Maybe music labels just caught on. Twitch has been growing. Uh, that's my theory. I mean, Twitch has been growing for quite a long time. I don't know. I'd but, be uh, surprised. I'm not. I, I don't know. The way they work is always very strange, and they're usually very like brush strokey in their manners. Like there's oftentimes you'll see. Um. You know, like, Google will get, like, a long series of, like, DMCA requests, and some of them include, like, local host IP or something. Because uh, they just look for literally anything that has a match, but they don't bother trying to filter at all. So, oftentimes, they'll just, like, f do a gigantic scrape of, like, a whole website and just send a mass email. Maybe it'll it, it's It's fucked. The DMCA is really fucked. Fair use is, like, almost never existent in actuality. Like it's all bad. Disney. Uh, Looking at you, Disney, especially. So our second company to get absolutely ratioed on Twitter. Uh, this was actually a couple weeks ago, but Twitch tweets. Hey there, thanks for reaching out. We recommend reading through any game's end user license agreement and utilizing any option to turn off music if the game includes that option or mute the game audio. They got fucking destroyed with 11,000.5k quote retweets and 3.3k likes. Uh, wow. And God knows how many replies. A uh, bunch of people reacting by uh, turning off their game volume and then making the noises with their mouth, which is <laughs> hilarious for we'll be playing Call of Duty. Bam, 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 just instead of 
actually saying it anything. Is, no. It is worth noting that game studios do own the copyright to like everything about the game. Like mm-hmm. they own all the audio recordings for the guns. Call of Duty owns all of the sounds and the foley and the everything and all the voice recordings. So like if they wanted to, which for very obvious business reasons they don't, but if they wanted to, they could just strike you for literally playing the game. Which yes. is how like some occasionally a Japanese company will like take down people. For that's that purpose, hilarious. like yeah. That is yeah, actually like, the like, next topic. You, but, yeah. you remember like Atlas and stuff Atlas and Nintendo have been like notorious for that kind of thing. Nintendo is hilarious. It's just here here time. here we don't do it just because um we, they realize that streaming is actually quite profitable for them. So it's kind of weird, because it's not like the system works. It's like it's still broken. It's just that there's another beneficial way. Like, like not using the system is economically beneficial, profitable. But if it wasn't, they just go back to using this. Um, hilariously, there is... This is a completely separate topic. I'm just going to talk about it briefly. Yeah, go ahead. Streamers aren't as effective at selling games. Sometimes as I think people would believe. Uh, there was this big game that was very narrative-driven that got tons of views. Uh, and because it was narrative-driven, people watched it, but it didn't convert to sales very well at all. Now, the counter-argument, oh, Nikki, look at Among Us. There are exceptions. Streamers do do a great job uh, selling some titles. But in some instances, for some genres, um, and for some... some t- you have to match the content to the streamer. So uh, a... For example, a streamer who plays lots of rhythm games wouldn't do a great job selling copies of Call of Duty. Um, mm-hmm. And you can look at that with VR when I'm going to talk about uh, maybe the big Oculus Quest uh, Quest 2 front page stream that I was on, which was received very poorly, by the way, uh, from everyone I've spoken to and looking at the chat. All those people, with the exception of myself, are not VR content creators. They're not, I'm not hating on them or anything, but they're not uh trusted in the VR space they're not um their opinion isn't held to super high regard they're not experts at VR I'm not shitting on them again um they're great people DJ Knight actually is a good pal of mine I've uh, hung out with him quite a few times he give me some great advice throughout the years but they might not be as effective at selling Oculus Quest 2s on the front page of Twitch as would a big VR streamer who is given an Oculus Quest 2 who is you know streaming it passionately, and I know Facebook and all that stuff, and selling their soul to the Zuck. But um, there's, it's not just as simple as give streamer key, get viewers viewers by game. Um, there's a lot to do with matching um, the game first of all, the type of game, to how streamable is it, making sure that game is streaming features if that's appropriate, um, and reaching an audience that is more likely to convert into sales. But that's beside the point. We're going to talk about. Uh, DCMAs. Twitch didn't give people tools. That's uh, one of the n- number one criticisms and, and the reason that um, I feel like people are very angry. Um, they also said that uh, three days was simply not enough time for most creators to sort through their VODs and clips. Um, oh, I already read the... Yeah, they needed to deploy more user-friendly yeah, tools. Uh, people got really, really quick and sudden notices and all came in a wave to take their shit down and they just didn't have a way to do it. And so Twitch really dropping the ball in that the uh, Twitch, it wasn't TwitchCon, GlitchCon, that's what it was called. Did you watch any of GlitchCon, Keeler? Or have you heard of it? No, I've never even heard of it. Okay, uh, it's, they did a great job. What? what GlitchCon is 
GlitchCon was TwitchCon's replacement. Now, I'm going to defend Twitch a little bit here. Oh, is this online TwitchCon? Yes, it was online TwitchCon. It already happened. Okay. So they sent a bunch of creators, uh, trailers. They were basically sets um, to stream from, and they basically had TwitchCon uh, over the course of, I think it was a day or so. Um, And people were criticizing Twitch and said, hey, GlitchCon is happening at the same time as all this DCMA stuff. Why would you spend all this money sending people trailers and equipment and things to show off for GlitchCon when you could be using this money on DCMA tools or helping streamers fight for this? And the answer that I heard from a Twitch employee is this is a completely different scale, right? You're talking about the budget for TwitchCon, a fraction of it going to GlitchCon versus millions and millions of dollars needed for these music licenses. And actually, Facebook Gaming has done a great job with music licenses, um, and Twitch is really far behind. But uh, So I don't know much about this, but the DMCA war on GitHub um, and Microsoft rallying to protect it in three weeks and the whole YouTube DL thing being taken down. Um, Moblord TV tweeted out, within three weeks since the RIAA sent the initial notice to GitHub, they recommitted support for devs, made claims and counters public, had experts review the claim, created a new review notification process, set up a, a million-dollar defense fund, and worked to improve the law. And I think, do you know what happened with a YouTube DL being taken down, Keeler? Off of yeah, so YouTube DL, yeah, so YouTube DL, uh, which is a program to download videos from the internet, it is a command line software that does so. It's not. It's called YouTube DL, but it does just about, like, most places. It can do all of, like, the YouTube alternatives. It did, like, Vidme, but now it's a thing. It can do, like, Twitter video... Uh, it could do like even like subscription services like Crunchyroll if you pass in the cookies with that has your like login and stuff like that. It's very fancy. A lot of um, a lot of like downloading more fancy downloading tools tend to have YouTube DL like in the back end somewhere, or at least something like it. Uh, if you look at like the pool requests, most of them are just like adding various porn sites because people wanna wanna get on that very quickly and have that for for later use. Um, and it got taken down. For a specific thing that one of the examples was downloading a song, a popular song off of YouTube. Like it was in just one of the example codes or example images or something. And because of that, it got a, uh, there was like a message sent to GitHub saying, please take this down. And they obliged. GitHub obliged. And then YouTube DL was taken down off of GitHub, which meant that now, GitHub is not, like, the only place you can get YouTube DL. It's in package management and, like, most Linux software, and it's on their own website and whatnot. But uh, and, uh, GitHub is, like, where people would mostly collaborate to send in the code and do their own contributions. So, and the whole idea that, like, it was taken down for an example. The software itself isn't like specifically meant to break copyright it is just meant to access data it literally emulates a web browser it emulates like a user of a web browser to get onto youtube because obviously when you're watching youtube you're still downloading the video technically to yourself because you're streaming it to yourself but instead it just grabs that data and like packs it away on your hard drive so there's a lot of like bad implications on what this would mean for like software that was just meant to do something that's not technically illegal just because it might be illegal is a dangerous precedent. And you said there's like an update to the story that I hadn't heard of. Oh, Microsoft was like, yo, we're going to go ahead and get YouTube DL back. So they did. 
I don't know how they did it, but using cool. millions of dollars and being. A I mean, I'm company. sure, but it shouldn't require that. You know, it shouldn't require Microsoft having to bail you out, especially because it's free software. It is open source free software, so it's not like they have a giant company behind them inherently. So. Facebook gaming has things in place right now to support uh, music and streamers. Um, GitHub, Microsoft also backing people up. There was uh, this big thing at GlitchCon. They had the music director, music creator, music CEO, whatever, on Twitch. And he literally said the phrase, and everyone latched onto it. And I can't believe they said this. It's been a great year for music on Twitch. Now, that wasn't in reference to DMCA. That was in reference to the growth of music creators and the fact that rappers and artists are now streaming on Twitch. But man, that was that was phrased very poorly. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, music creators would have been a very they, a much they, better way to show it. Yeah, they did not say that very well. So in Twitch's, this is another controversial thing. Uh, in Twitch's defense, they have partnered up with Monster Cat. Monster Cat and Twitch are teaming up to bring fast track affiliate status for Monster Cat Gold subscribers. Gold provides thousands of songs to use in your live streams as an affiliate. Twitch unlocks monetization tools for your channel. I'm going to get pretty Alex Jonesy here. All right, so bear with me. Twi uh, so Twitch pairs with Monster Cat. Great thing for creators uh, to stop copyright. And Monster Cat Gold is a license. It's $5 a month. And uh, you pretty much can stream Monster Cat songs. And you get some other perks like early access to their merch and stuff like that. People are very outraged that there is a fast track to affiliate, that there is a way you could basically pay $5 a month and immediately get affiliate on Twitch. Newsflash to everyone, affiliate didn't mean shit. When it first came out, affiliate means nothing. It is actually, I think, the the, the, the Twitch have man, right? The, the uh, it's not Jeff Bezos, it's um, Ernest. What's, um, what's, who's the Twitch CEO? Uh, and then Emmett? 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 Did I say Emmett? Emmett Shear? Emmett Shear, that's him. Emmett Shear is trying yeah. to lock you in on the Twitch platform and make it so that you can't go and put your content on other websites. Because actually what's happening is when you sign an affiliate contract, you are locked into Twitch. You cannot go stream on Mixer, rest in peace, Facebook gaming, YouTube. And so that's one of the reasons that Twitch wants people under that affiliate umbrella. The affiliate title was always given to people who were like if you had a pulse you you don't need to do, do anything extraordinary to get affiliate you had like to stream some stupidly low number of hours like 20 a month or something like that i know you had to have three concurrent viewers and 50 followers that is absolutely nothing my bot which i've never told someone to follow shampoo bot i think at its peak had 40 followers because i had hundreds of viewers on my partner channel and people would go and follow the bot, and I've never even streamed on that channel. <laughs> 50 followers is absolutely nothing. Three concurrent viewers is nobody. Get yourself in there. Nightbot, I don't think Nightbot counts, but you get the point. Get like one friend in there and have one person randomly click on your stream and then turn it on on your phone, and bam, you got three concurrent viewers. Incredible. It's an absolutely low bar that uh, Twitch really just wants anyone with a pulse to get affiliate ship. And then lock them into the Twitch ecosystem. So Twitch not only has uh, control of the viewers, and it's the biggest and most viewed streaming website as far as gaming content goes. Well, just chatting is actually the biggest category on Twitch. But they also have the largest share of creators. And so the affiliate program, 
Uh, it's kind of the carrot on on the stick to get people to chase the dream of streaming. Even though three of you, you're not making any money off of that. $100 a month every six months. Now, there are affiliates who are absolutely killing it, of course. Um, but most of them aren't. Most people are, aren't are pulling, you know, even 10 viewers. I think if you have 10 or 8 viewers, you're already in the top 20% of Twitch. Uh, just something like that. And so... Uh, affiliates really it just doesn't mean anything it doesn't not to like shit on people's achievement but it's like graduating elementary school like bro yeah you're supposed to it, you know i'm actually gonna go as far to say it is harder to graduate elementary school than it is to become a twitch affiliate because at least graduating elementary school takes six years of your life getting twitch affiliate takes a month at most and so everyone who is freaked out about oh you can just buy your way to affiliate yeah affiliates not a prestigious in any way, status. And I'm not trying to be here like, oh, I'm Nikki, I'm the I'm the Twitch partner, I'm big dick swinging. But for them to provide uh, a great way for streamers to avoid getting DCMA'd, I also like give them something that really doesn't mean anything at all. I, I just see it as a win-win. I don't understand why all these other partners are so angry because it's not like it was an exclusive club or anything like that for uh, Twitch streamers to get affiliate ship like it barely gets you any perks at twitchcon even like i think you get a goodie bag um but yeah it's really not all that much and so i think it was a good move on twitch's part uh, which is a rare thing for me to say all right we're gonna crunch out the very last topic because this is very relevant news all right it's time free melee so this again kind of actually folds into Gaming companies have the right to just take you down. So Big House was going to be coming up early December. And I don't know much about competitive Smash. I've actually gone to some Smash events, but I don't I don't play Melee. I haven't played Melee since I was, what, 12? Maybe younger than that. But, so, Nintendo took down Big House. Um, and so what happened was, because the Rona is going on right now, everyone obviously has to play Smash Online. Slippy is a great way for people to play Melee online. Um, and Slippy has... I don't understand what rollback netcode is. Fighting game players uh, love it. And so Slippy is like... And rollback netcode is the gold standard. You want to play Melee on this. I've played Smash Ultimate online and my god, Nintendo servers. Terrible. So the fact that someone uh, developed something so that Melee players can play online and do their own thing uh, is awesome. Nintendo asked to cancel um, Big House because of Slippy or just remove that portion, um, and Big House refused to do so, so they're offered a cease and desist. This also canceled Smash Ultimate, which is on the Switch, therefore you don't even need Slippy or any other online services, but all of Smash was canceled at Big House, even though Nintendo has sponsored Big House in the past. Nintendo took mostly issue with the legality of this so emulation of melee uh is fine because it just uses a gamecube and dolphin but uh, and ripping the game off of your gamecube is personal use under u.s copyright law i read online i'm not a lawyer don't take my word on that but because you are doing it with slippy and it's off the internet and you're not using your own copy of melee it's considered piracy because nintendo says it requires use of illegally copied versions of the game and so that's the differential there, uh, which is why they're cracking down on this one in particular. Well, this is super, super uh, colorblind 
of Nintendo. We're in a pandemic right now, and people want to play Melee, and I don't anticipate they're making any more sales, and they're not printing any more copies of Melee. Um, and so it's them protecting their intellectual property, but everyone on Twitter is talking about this right now. Free Melee was trending, and then because Smash Ultimate was canceled too, Save Smash got trending worldwide. And Nintendo said uh, that they just wanted to protect their, their copyright there. Um, and so they they took the whole thing down. And everyone is rallying around Melee. It's a... I don't even know. When did Melee come out? I'm going to take a random guess of 2000... I don't even... Five. Remember. Actually. I, I want to say five also. Let's see. 2001. It might be earlier. I was oh six. My God, wow. I was six when Melee came out. They're not making any money off of this game anymore. And people have been playing this game for so long, built up communities, built up friends. People are quick to shit on the Smash community because of the whole gaming Me Too movement. And a lot of people, um, males and females in the Smash space, were outed as uh, pedophiles or sexual predators or rapists and all that terrible stuff. And so people are quick to shit on uh, the Smash community for that. Um, but ultimately, they're I feel like a lot of them are just playing a game that they love. And they just want to... Uh, continue playing that game safely during a pandemic. So, you know, Nintendo and, like we said earlier, Atlas with people, like, oh, you can't stream past this part of uh, Persona 5, um, which I feel like is... I actually feel like that's even a mildly reasonable restriction to avoid spoilers. Um, not mildly reasonable. I'm not saying that that was smart to do, but I, I kind of see where they're getting at here, and I am less seeing the point of Nintendo here because they... Where they're not charging entry fees that Nintendo wants a, a cut of the pie for. Oh, we're losing so much money because they're running big Melee tournaments and people are ignoring our Melee tournaments. No, that's not what's happening. Uh, and so this is just a way for people to relieve some of the... I mean, we said earlier, we're at, we're at an absolutely absurd number of cases in California as far as uh, coronavirus cases go. And for Nintendo to shut off one way for a lot of people to enjoy their time and enjoy competing and bring things back to some semblance of normalcy. Smash events are so, so high. I don't know that much about Smash. I, I play very lightly. I feel like if you were to throw me into a room of just random college students of Smash players, you know, I'm not going to get my ass beat at the very least. Maybe I would if there was a pro player there, but I feel like I'm competent enough, right? And the energy in the room watching people at Genesis, which I had been to, and like hanging out with all those guys and watching high level Smash play. I feel watching high level melee is so much fun, even though I don't know what's happening half the time. Uh, I mean, I do know what's happening, but it's unlike watching high level league gameplay where I'm just like, what? What? I don't. What? What is happening? It, this all just looks like people clicking the screen rapidly. Whereas Smash, even though I'm less familiar with the intricacies of it, it's still a lot of fun to watch as a casual spectator sport. And with conventions closed and events closed, uh, people are taking their time to. Hold big house and for Nintendo to shut it down, uh, sat very poorly with a lot of people and me. Uh, I do not, I do not approve, even though I know a lot of people are uh, even more disapproving of it. But Nintendo did say at the end of all of this that they will continue to support Smash Competitive in the future, uh, just not this time around and probably not using Slippy, uh, at least for big house. Anyway, all right, I think that's it. There are some other things I wanted to complain about, but uh, this was already a fat eighty-minute episode. Of the early oh, yeah. access podcast. Yeah, this is a. Uh, I spent a lot of time writing these show notes. So I hope you guys enjoyed 
follow and give us a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And check it out live at twitch.tv slash Stell Shampoo at 8 p.m. PST on twitch.tv slash Stell Shampoo. Join us on Discord, discord.gg slash Stell Shampoo. If you enjoyed the show, then uh, consider supporting us on literally any of those places or follow me on Twitter at uh, Stealth Shampoo. All right. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll be back in two weeks in December for the Early Access Podcast.